the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon and welcome into Woods and Water, South Carolina. Hope you're having a good one. It got cold this week. It got cold. Love it, though. Got to... Got to enjoy the few days of winter that we get here in South Carolina. Of course, it's, it's early this year, isn't it? I mean, this is just November, mid-November, and we're this cold. It, uh, of course, you can't tell. You can't. You cannot make any predictions on weather based on what time of the year. Not around here you can't. It's just always changing, always different. But anyway, hope you're having a good day. Uh, I, I got to start this off. This was, I was at, when I was at CIFA, there was a company there called Voss Signs. And, you know, they make all sorts of signs and, you know, for the outdoor industry, I guess for anything. But anyway, a couple there just, just, uh, just funny. Here's, here, here's a good one. Open. Most days about nine or 10. Occasionally as early as seven. Sometimes as late as 12 or one. Closed. Most days about five thirty or six. Occasionally around four or five. Sometimes as late as 11 or 12. Sometimes we aren't here at all. Lately I've been here all the time, except when I'm someplace else. <laughs> Kind of like a little fishing pole there. And then there's this other one. It really, you're not going to get the, you're not going to get the, the brunt of it because it's just notice and the notice is, and notice is spelled N-O-T-I-S. <laughs> Trespassers would be persecuted to the full extent of two mongrel dogs, which never was over sociable to strangers and one double barrel shotgun, which didn't loaded with soft pellets. <laughs> And if I'm getting, I didn't get tired of this hell raising on my place. <laughs> so, a little levity. Not enough of that in the world today. But anyway, figured you could do with some of it. All right. Let's, um, let's, I tell you what, let's get the calendar events out of the way. Not that it's something I don't look forward to, but we'll get a, a few things here. And, um, as always, brought to you by Visit Anderson Green Pond Landing and Event Center. The Tom Yawkey Wildlife Center, which is down on the coast, uh, youth appreciation trip. Calling all kids. The Tom Yawkey Center is hosting a youth appreciation trip on Saturday, November 9th. Oh, 16th. How does that? Oh, I see what happened. Okay. The print's off on the page a little bit. Okay. Trip on Saturday, November the 9th, November the 16th. Come and take a look at the Yawkey Wildlife Center the way kids like it best, over the water and through the woods. Lots of cool things to see. The purpose of this trip is to get kids interested in the outdoors, so each adult must be accompanied by a child. There's a little different spin on it for you. You can go to their website and get more information on it. And actually, well, the day before, there's a Paint the Tom Yawkey Wildlife Center. That's for artists. You want to go down there and paint, you can go paint. Um, and there's a couple more things that I'm going to get to later on. A walk through history experiences off the bus opportunity to take a closer look at some of the historic sites on the Tom Yawkey Wildlife Center. 
Sites visited include a former sawmill along Winya Bay and Civil War fortifications. The activity level of this trip is strenuous with several miles of walking involved. Participants should bring a bag, lunch, and drink. That's on November the 19th. So they they got a calendar of things that are going on all the time, and they do birding down there, photo safari. So I'll, I'll get to more of these. But anyway, check them out, Tom Yawkey Wildlife Center. Fridays in November, I think I already said this once, uh, Coastal Expeditions. It's a um, it's an alligator walk through Cape Romaine. You'll um, you go to Bulls Island and you walk the levees. And it says in re- recent weeks we've seen purple gnoles, great blue herons, green herons, terns, gulls, kingfishers, more than in the area. The alligators are sunning along the banks by the dozens, and so they're offering these walks on Fridays in November. So the fifteenth, twenty second, and ninth, twenty ninth is what you've got left. And uh, you can go down there and, and check out a uh, alligator. And that, again, is Coastal Expeditions through them. Sporting Clays Tournament, this is one. Um, you've heard me talk about my niece and, and being paralyzed and all. And, and we stayed, or her family stayed, and we stayed at the Ronald McDonald, Ronald McDonald House in Atlanta while she was at Scottish Rites uh, in rehab. But uh, this is a Sporting Clays Tournament. It's held every year. This is the 13th. Um, annual Sporting Glaze Tournaments, November the 16th at Hermitage Farms in Camden, South Carolina. First flight's at 9 o'clock, second flight's at 12 o'clock. The Ronald McDonald House Charities Columbia, South Carolina, will host the 13th Annual Sporting Glaze Tournament on Saturday, November the 16th. The tournament will take place at Hermitage Farms in Camden. Uh, we'd love to have you join us for a fun-filled day of rotating through 14 challenging Sporting Glaze stations along with an exciting raffle. The registration is 125 bucks. Includes the 100 bird main event, uh, 12 or 20 gauge ammunition, food, beverages, gifts, and awards. And then, of course, they got raffle. It's a fundraising thing for a great cause. So check them out, Ronald McDonald House Charities, Columbia, South Carolina, and get more information on this. And I hope you'll go support a cause. I know a bunch of friends of mine just fished the uh, oh tournament uh, fishing tournament in Charleston. Um, just left me. Having more of those these days than ever. But anyway, find a charity and get behind it, especially if it's outdoors related. Those are just those are the ones that really mean a lot. Outdoor Dream Foundation is one that comes to mind, um, but there's plenty of them out there. And that's the calendar event brought to you by Visit Anderson Green Pond Landing and Event Center, which I was down there this past weekend for the Bass Nation Team Championship. And we'll have some more of that on the show. You'll have to stay tuned. And we're also going to talk to um, Mike Dillon with Richard Childress Racing. Uh, he's going to talk about the Strike Bass Challenge. And that's coming to Lake Hartwell January the 4th. And there's another opportunity to go fishing, have fun, win some money, win some prizes for a good cause. And I'm sure Mike will talk all about that. couple of notes here uh, from the U.S. Forest Service. Reminds non-hunters to stay safe this hunting season. This is something that just doesn't even cross my mind because I'm in that hunting frame and and just not a second thought. But I want to remind you, before you head on a hike in a national forest this fall, it's important to know that nearly all the national forest lands in North Carolina and South Carolina are open to hunting. The last thing you want while out hunting or biking the trails is to be mistaken for game. So to avoid any confusion, the National Forest Service encourages everyone to take these precautions to stay safe during hunting season. 
Number one, wear bright colored clothing. You know, normally you say an orange vest, that's for hunters, but you know, orange, neons, uh, whatever it takes to be more invisible, don't wear brown and white together. Uh, if you have a dog, make sure it wears a vest, a uh, bandana, or is on leash. Number two, make noise to alert hunters of your presence. If you hear shooting, raise your voice to let hunters know you, that you are nearby. And number three, if hunting makes you uneasy, learn about where and when hunting is taking place and consider hiking in other areas. Well, that's not a bad idea. On the flip side, for hunters, if you're hunting on, you know, national forest or state game lands, multi-use lands is what we call them, where you've got people that are horseback riding and biking and hiking and all that, be very considerate. Don't let people get right up under you before you say, hey, <laughs> give them some notice, you know. Let them know you're there. Um, be considerate. We all have to share the same amount of territory and the same resources, and uh, it, it's a two-way street. So just uh, for those of you non-hunters, be aware that it is hunting season. Wear some bright-colored clothes. For you hunters, be on the lookout for that. It's our resp- more than their responsibility. It's our responsibility. We, we need to know exactly what we're looking at, which is where having binoculars comes in. you got to have a pair of binoculars. You never want to point that gun at something. Use your scope to identify it. Use your binoculars. Know what you've got. You know, know if it's somebody's dog that just happened to run away and get caught up in the moment and just enjoy being out in cold weather. So it's it's on both sides. Both of us need to take care and, and, and look out for the other. So here's your first segment. Hang on through the break. We are going to talk with uh, – we're going to hear about the Bass Nation Championship, talk to Mike Dillon, and then i got a few other things to wrap up the show. So hang on through the break. More Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. You know, I told you we're going to hear more about the uh, Bass Nation Championship that's held on Lake Harwell uh, this past weekend. Cody Holland won it. He's from Beaverton, Oregon. The Oregon, the, the West Coast people showed out. Spokane Valley, Washington, Taylor Smith came in second. Uh, then Cam Starrett from Newfields, New Hampshire, came in third. And, uh, you know, I've gotten the interview from, from, um, from Cody. It's actually done by Andrew Canuleta. Uh He did the interview. I just didn't want the guys to have to answer pretty much the same questions two times in a row within minutes of each other. So I just I just stuck my voice recorder in there, and it's it's pretty good. He uh, He's 35 years old. He's, you know, he's just an ordinary guy. Fishes like to fish. Fished, um, you know, out there in Spokane Valley, Washington, or Beaverton, Oregon. I think he, he qualified through the Washington Loop. But, uh, he got the big thing for all three of those guys is they got birth to the 2020 Academy Sports and Outdoors Bassmaster Classic presented by Huck on Gunnersville. Uh, Cody also won a Skeeter Yamaha Cash Award of 20000 an invitation to fish the 2020 Bassmaster Elite Series, and paid entry into the Bass Pro Bassmaster Opens division of his choice. So it's a pretty big deal. Uh, there are 59 boaters, 115 total anglers, 
who competed over the three days on Hartwell. They were from 47 states, 11 foreign countries, and the total purse was over $140,000. So pretty big deal uh, for three guys to come to Lake Hartwell and punch their tickets to the Bassmaster Classic. And that's you know, that's how you have the ordinary guy who just likes to fish and he, you know, he does some weekends in his home state, you know, wins, he qualifies for something like this, the Nationals, and he comes here and qualifies for the Classic, kind of like the Cinderella story, you know? And and I'm looking forward to watching them on the Gunnersville. I'll watch all three of them on Gunnersville next year. So let's, um, like I said, I got the interview with Cody. Uh, Andrew Canyoletta is doing it. <laughs> I asked him his last name. He said, can you let me? Uh, it's can you let her? And uh, so listen to it. <laughs> Come back and I'll finish out the segment. Cody, the champ. Yeah. Congratulations, Thank man. Thank you. Um, how old are you? 35. You live in Beaverton? Yes, sir. And you're here with, uh, for, you were uh, qualified through Oregon. Yeah. yeah. Um, so big bag of the day, 10th uh, place, and, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, uh, a, a much richer man, and, you know, both, I guess, in what's in your pocket and what's in your heart because uh, the classic has got to be a special thing for you. Yes, sir. Um, let's kind of separate the two. What's it like to win this tournament? Tell me tell me what you had to do. What, what got that big bag? Um, I had confidence coming into today. I looked at my marshal, and I was like, I showed him the lipless crankbait I was using. I go, every bigger fish that I caught have been on this. So I pulled up to a cane pile. And I threw out it, threw out it, threw out it, tried it from a different direction, didn't get bit. So I pulled out of that pocket I was in and out to another point and threw at that one. And I lost a decent fish off of that one. Never got bit off of that cane pile in practice or either one of the other two days. Um, so for whatever reason, a light bulb went off and I had five or six cane piles marked way down lake where... where um, the water was actually cleaner down there than what it is up here. I don't think it's quite turned over down there. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they were in those cane piles. Yeah. I was standing, or I was setting myself up probably about 30 yards back and casting to them. Okay. And it would hit the cane pile or come right by the cane pile, and the thing would just stop. Mm. It was nuts. So they were hitting hard. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I had one that had it all the way down his throat. Wow. Almost so, like in a feeding frame, yeah. it sounds like. Yep. Uh, spots? All spots. You caught spots all week long? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, t- 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 tell me specifically what you were throwing towards those cane piles. It is a Yozuri lipless crankbait. Um, they don't make it anymore. Oh. I only have two of them. And last <laughs> night when I made the di- last night when I made... Um, the final day I looked at my girlfriend and I go, I got to grab that other one in case I lose this one. Yeah. So I grabbed it. It's in the boat. I never lost the one that I threw all week. Uh, so. Might got to see somebody about pouring a couple more of those. <laughs> yeah. Or try to find some more. I mean, they're t- almost $20 on eBay. So. Oh, well, you, yeah. you got some extra cash to yeah. pick up that, yep. man. I you do Take now. care of a few of those little <laughs> more. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. Yep. Um, yeah, stick with what works. Um, so the water was clear where you were. Yeah. yeah, it was. I would say I went over the top of a cane pile on accident when I was trying to fish, <laughs> and I looked down and it was this far underneath the water. Yeah. So every one, I think every one I was throwing to was two to four feet underneath the water because I was reeling that thing pretty fast, mm-hmm. and it would either hit it or it would come just along the side of it and they were coming up out of it and just annihilating it. And that was today. What yeah. were you doing on day one and two? Um. So yesterday I caught my two better fish on that bait. Okay. I was I ran around an island, 
and I went across a couple cane piles, and I was like, huh, that's probably what that fish came off of. I ran across another one, well, that's what that fish came off of, and, you know, nothing clicked at that point, yeah. but um, I ran back today and fished around that island and never got bit, um, but that's what... It seemed like the bait was really key. Yeah, 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 it was. Very nice. Um, to, to get the big bag today and to move up from 10th, when you, when you start the day, what's your gut tell you? Do, do, do you say... I, I got to do something special, or do you say I'm fishing for third plate? I mean, how do, what, what do you think? Um, my marshal was an awesome guy. Um, I looked at him at about 11, 11.30. I've seen my buddies. They were out there. They came and watched me for a little bit. Nice. And uh, um, I looked at him, and I go, if I'm going to win this thing, I'm going to win it on this. I put both of my drop shot rods away, and I left underspin and the lipless on the deck and that was it and that's mm -hmm. all I did for the last two and a half hours of the day and all the five of those fish that I weighed in were caught in the last two and a half hours of the day. Really? So you, uh, did, were you getting bites early or did you just call up? I got bites. I ran to the spot that I had begin, been getting a limit out yeah. of every morning um, and it was actually a little bit of a struggle. I did catch five fish there but that's all that I caught. Normally I was catching probably seven to eight fish and culling two or three times before I would leave there. Yeah. And when I left there with five fish for like five pounds, I go, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I just started running down lake and, um, I wasn't getting the better bites on a drop shot. I was, you know, I could catch nine to 10 pounds a day on a drop shot mm -hmm. and the bigger fish were eating that lipless. And I would just, for whatever reason, had the gut instinct to just put those down and start throwing that and only that. And it worked. Yep. Classic. Uh, go see your brain there dream come true 100% dream come true um, I have no idea anything about Gunnersville but um, I'm going to go and give 110% and hope for the best that's all you can do yep. pretty cool to be there and watch that happen uh, much an ordinary guy punch a ticket to the Bassmaster Classic pretty cool big big event <laughs> he said several times he goes I just just disbelief just can't believe it just you know wow uh, thanks for Andrew. Can you let me, uh, for, can you let me put my voice recorder in front of you and record your interview? I told him I, I would let him give him plenty of credit for it. And, uh, it's going to be fun in the same vein with fishing while we're on fishing. I've had these for a while now. The, uh, all three pro tours are out, you know, even with the acquisition of FLW, nothing changed there. So let's just run through and the, couple minutes we've got here let's run through this right quick all right the bass master schedule for the 2020 elite series february 6th through night st john's river palatka florida they were there last year it was a great tournament february the 14th through 17th oh it says tba i know they i'll have to look it up during the break but i'll let you know because they did uh, assign that and i think it went to texas oh man Anyway, old story. I need to get anyone. March 6th through 8th, the Bassmaster Classic, Lake Gunnersville, Birmingham, Alabama. April the 2nd through the 5th, Lake Eufaula, Eufaula, Alabama. April 16th through the 19th, Santee Cooper Lakes, Manning, South Carolina. Coming, The elites are coming back to South Carolina. Going to fish a really cool and interesting. We'll have to get Patrick Walters' take on that one. May 29th through June 1st, Sabine River, Orange, Texas. And June 5th through 9th, Texas Fest. July 23rd to 26th, St. Lawrence River, Waddington, New York. You know, they signed a three-year deal to go back there for the next three years. 
July 30th through August 2nd, Lake Champlain, Plattsburgh, New York. And then the uh, 20th through the 23rd of August on Lake St. Clair is the AOI Championship. I believe that would be right. Yep. All right. MLF announced their schedule not a week or so ago. Uh, February 7th through the 12th, Eufaula, Alabama. So they're going to the place, same place the elites went to. February 21st through the 26th, Okeechobee, Florida. It'll be stage two. March 13th through the 18th is Lake Fork, Texas. Emory, Texas. April 3 through 8, Jordan Lake Falls Lake, Sheeran Harris Reservoir in Raleigh, North Carolina. I know that's one Anthony Gagley already wants a redo over from last year. So they're going back there. May 15th through the 20th, Kissimmee. Kind of odd to go in Florida that late in the year because normally everybody starts off there in January, February. So that'll be an interesting one. June the 5th through the 10th, Nina, Wisconsin. That's Lake Winnebago, Budamonts, and Green Lake. Stage 7 is June 26th to July 21st, St. Lawrence River, Odensburg, New York. And Lake Champlain, July 21 through 26th is Stage 8, Burlington, Vermont. They have not released the date or the location for the Red Crest yet. So we'll wait on that one. And the FLW schedule for this year, they're starting out Sam Rayburn, Sam Rayburn Reservoir, January 23rd through the 26th. Harris Chain of Lakes in Florida, February 20th through 23rd. Lake Martin, March 19th through the 22nd. That's in Alabama, Alexander City. Cherokee Lake, April 2 through 5. Jefferson, Ten- Jefferson City, Tennessee. That was a good tournament when the elites went there a couple years ago, I guess. Uh, April 23rd through the 26th. going to be right down the road to Lake Hartwell, Anderson, South Carolina. May 14th through the 17th, Lake Dardanelle, Russellville, Arkansas. And then to finish out the season, June 25th through 28th, Detroit River, Trenton, Michigan. So, which is funny because you've got them, um, the dates are on top of each other. I put I already put them in my phone, and they're overlapping a lot. They are uh, going to some of the same lakes, following each other around a little bit. And it's really going to be interesting. Uh, with MLF acquisition of FLW, which was final this past week, got a press release saying that it was a done deal. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who from FLW or MLF tries to fish the opens to qualify for the elites. That's going to really tell the story of who's happy with what uh, on the current three series tournament trail, and then we got the fourth one coming in in twenty twenty one or something like. That. I don't even want to think about that one. But there you go. So. Look them up, put them in your calendar, and get ready to glue yourself to your computer for Bass Live and MLF Live and FLW Live and get all the fishing you can stand. All right, hang out through the break. More Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. As promised and on the phone with us live is Mr. Mike Dillon from Richard Childress Racing. Mike, how are you doing these days? I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. But before we get on to the fishing stuff, how are things going this year in NASCAR for you? I haven't been keeping up like I normally do. And, and just fill us in. What, what's, what's the latest and greatest? 
Well, we're getting ready to head to Homestead. It's our final uh, race of the year, and uh, we definitely need to perform better than what we have of late. But we've got a lot of high ambitions and uh, got something new going down there, so hopefully we'll be able to finish the year with a, a really strong run and get ready for the 2020 season. I got you. Well, this is the 50th year of RCR racing. Congratulations. It sure is. Yeah, it's really awesome. To, uh, Richard's put his whole life into this uh, into racing, and it's uh, it's been a blessing to all of us, our family, and everything else. So it's a it's a wonderful sport, and we're very proud to be a uh, part of it. And I wanted to thank you last year when you had Neil and I come up and, and visit. I wanted to thank you for taking us on a little sightseeing tour and, and getting that close to all the history of RCR. Well, yeah, we're just we're proud of RCR and all the history that we've made in NASCAR. And then uh, just being able to show people what it's about. Most of the time, people are very surprised when they come and see uh, our facility there in uh, Welcome, North Carolina. Yep, I was, I was. It was a really cool experience. And uh, and actually, I got I got another kind of little experience like that. We uh, we were out in Springfield, Missouri for the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame induction, and there's a little segment for Bass Pro Shops and their NASCAR, all their cars and uniforms and all that. That was pretty cool too. I didn't know you had all that out there. Oh yeah, yeah. Johnny has uh, been a part of our organization for uh, as long as you know, pretty much about as long as he's been around. Yeah, Bass Pro, uh, and uh, it's a very big part of our family, and obviously a part of the Striped Bass Challenge um, yep. fishing tournament. Also, he is, and that's what we're here to talk about: Striped Bass Challenge, the 2020 Winter Classic, coming up January the fourth on Lake Hartwell, South Carolina. Now, while the fishing is the fun part of it. There's also a much bigger picture and a much much bigger uh, mission for the striped bass challenge, and that is you tell us. That is our food drive. We, uh, you know, we we work we work with Feeding America, which is a nationally uh, all across the country food bank or food organization, and uh, provide meals for the for folks that that um, can't get a, a good meal every night or every day. Yep. And uh, and in, and in the Anderson area, Golden Harvest is one of their subsidiaries and that's who we work with there and uh, all of our anglers one and all of our anglers uh will be will bring food in or or cash donations okay for uh raffle tickets and uh, and then the raffle uh, they'll get their raffle tickets i mean we've had guys bring in over three thousand pounds individuals <laughs> uh of food uh their boats are just flush full uh, of uh, non-perishable food, and yeah. uh, they, so they obviously got a bunch of raffle tickets. Yeah, um, and then we give away some great prizes to, with all of our product sponsors: Grizzly Coolers, Pure Fishing donates uh, over fifty uh, fishing rods, uh, Ugly Stick fishing rods. We yeah. have um, Shimano gives us reels. We have Bash Pro Shops. Obviously, we have gift cards uh, from Bash Pro Shop, thousands of dollars worth of gift cards. We have. Um, uh, fish and rod and reel combinations, uh, bets, nets has uh, been a supporter from day one. All these folks have been with us from the beginning, too. Right. That's what's really awesome, That uh, how long they've been with us. And uh, we got clear water planter boards. We got um, – I'm just trying to sit here off the top of my head <laughs> and think about everybody. We got yeah. oh, uh, Johnson Outdoors. Yes. Johnson Outdoors and Bill Carson there. Uh, yeah. They give us uh, Minn Kota trolling motors, and rod holders. Yep. Hummingbird, uh, just the list goes on of all the great um, uh, products that we have to give away. We got Costa with sunglasses. We got uh, we get twenty 
or 25 pair of those to give away. We get, um, I'm just, I mean, it's, um, it's actually just sitting here thinking about it. It's pretty, really amazing that it is. Uh, these folks continue to support us like they do. And I got to back up a minute because you said, you know, guys are coming with their boats just slammed full of, of food and all. People, we're not talking about bass boats. Most of the time when you hear fishing tournaments, people think of bass boats and, you know, you got the little well there between the two seats. And all. No, no, we're talking about, you know, 21 or 24 foot center consoles or Carolina skiffs type. And those things are filled to the gunnels. So yeah, that, they'll hold more than a pickup. That's, for sure. That's exactly you know, right. It's, it's, these guys are, uh, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, I, I, we did another small one up in high rock and the guys were there too, bringing the same kind of loads. And, yep. uh, we, uh, which is up here in Lexington, North Carolina. And, uh, talking to one of them, he said he brought 6,000 pounds. Holy and, smoke. um, you know, we, the last tournament at, at green pond, we had uh, a fifty. I want to say fifty-seven thousand pounds of food donated, and, and about somewhere around seven to eight thousand dollars in cash. So that was a, a great turnout. Uh, that was the last event, and it's just grown right. every year. You know, so this year I'm hoping to get it to that, and and maybe maybe go over sixty thousand pounds. You know, who knows? Sure. But I know we I know we provide a lot of meals for folks, and uh, and it's a uh, it's a good time. And then we have a we have a little fishing tournament up the next yeah, day too. Yeah, fishing that, tournament. That pays out pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> twenty. Uh, Rob and Jarrett sent me the the flyer for it. Twenty five thousand dollars first place. Yep, twenty five thousand. Hell, second place is ten thousand. I mean, you know, it's a uh, it pays all the way back to top fifteen, and um, we have the lady angler of the tournament uh, nope. who wins two thousand. The youth angler of the tournament is uh, gets a thousand dollars in gift cards for Bash Pro Shop. We can't. Or 1500 I think it is, and we, we, we don't give them cash so they can keep their collegiate sure. uh, status. Sure. And then, but now now Johnny Morris from Bass Pro yeah. has also decided to step it up, and he's going to give the youth angler another big prize, and we're going to announce that here in, uh, uh, next week. Wow. Uh, they're not only going to get going to get their 1500 gift cards, they're going to get another another big prize in the uh, um, – like I said, it's it's a big one, so it's a it's, we're excited about that for the youth. Uh, you know, we want to get these kids sure outside and get them fishing, hunting, and fishing. And you know, it's the same way you know you guys doing the same thing yep. with the we, you know we all we got a that's our next that's our next uh, sportsman, and uh, they're gonna exactly keep it right. up. That's that's our it future up. hunting heritage people that's and fishing exactly heritage. Right. Yeah, and the, the right, article, right. the article, you know, in, in four years, you guys have supplies over two hundred and fifty thousand meals to Golden Harvest down here. Yep, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that, and uh, absolutely, uh, that's what you know. What and and we got some great sponsors, yeah, to do that with. With obviously Bass Pro, American Ethanol, uh, Easy Go, uh, they do the Easy Go gives a buggy for the uh, big fish of the tournament. Um, okay. All of our sponsors, Realtree is uh, one of our sponsors, Cometic Gaskets and uh, Clots Oil. Uh, this, this keeps going on. Hunt Brothers Pizza has been a strong <laughs> one for us. Food. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, and it, and it just allows us to be able to have such a, a good purse. Sure. And then, uh, you know, then what, what we give back, you know, what, what the uh, anglers pay mm-hmm. in in the entry fee. So it's just a... It's a great event, so they don't mind coming out and, and, and pulling food in. And what's really cool is after the holidays, and I'd say after the holidays is when the food banks really need to sure. support. Everybody, you know, uh, 
uh, they're probably tapped out, and then uh, so we can restock, get them restocked for the start of the next year, and hopefully uh, go from there. Absolutely. Let me ask you this: while I got you on the phone, Mike, who are these guys that fish these tournaments? Who are the striper guys? What I mean, I'm sure it's a mix of all uh, all sorts of guys, but who you know some of them? Who are they? What kind of guys are they? Oh, they're I mean they're everyday you know guys. They're uh, work. They're, there's all types of you know. There's a uh, uh, blue collar guys that love to go fishing. Uh, you know, they're uh, good people. Uh, they're from all over. I tell you that we got guys from uh, uh, from Michigan, Wisconsin that come down. We got guys from uh, all over the southeastern states that that come and fish. And uh, then obviously the strong probably group is the South Carolina uh, anglers. There's okay. a, a bunch of them that support uh, Hartwell, Lake Murray, and yeah. all around there. I've got some a uh, bunch of guys that come from North Carolina. There's some Tennessee and Virginia boys that fish. And the striper fishermen is uh they're 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 pretty dedicated to it. You know, that's what they like to do. They troll they like to troll live bait, some yeah. uh, uh you know, lures have been popular. There's a lot of guys that are really good at it. The tournament's actually been won on lures. Oh, wow. Uh, so wow. um uh <laughs> it's just um good people. You know, that okay. like to fish, like to catch a, a big fish. You know, stripers are probably the best way to to keep them and, and keep them growing is uh we're we're big on trying to keep them alive, and uh, we got a striper too. Warren Turner's a big uh, who's been in the, the striper uh, world for a long time. Most everybody knows who he is, and it has a striper tube. And uh, okay. we, we try to push push those to keep people for people to use them. And uh, the serious guys really do; they have them, and we've done really good. You can DNR can uh, back us up on the on our mortality rate. Uh, we've been our percentages have been really good. You know, you're gonna when you catch these fish, you stress them out pretty good, and you you lose them some. But uh, we have with, with all the fish that we have weighed in, our percentages have been very low on mortality. And we, but we do have in our entry, we actually we own when the fish comes out and it's weighed in, it's our fish, and we actually donate that fish to uh, a local uh, church there too. Okay. So that everything gets everything gets consumed if there is an issue with uh, losing a fish. But but everybody is. Uh, trying really hard to grow the species and and to work with the DNR there in South Carolina and uh and the South Carolina DNR man uh I can't say nothing but good things about those folks they they work really really hard and close with us great people and they want the people to get out and fish and 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 uh use our resources that we that God's give us Absolutely there are there are a bunch of good people I I spend a lot of time with a lot of them and I haven't met a bad one yet Well yeah, they um, really are other than the, you can go to the Stripe Bass Challenge Facebook page and read all about it there. There's a, a website you can go to. It's form, F-O-R-M dot jot form dot com, which is J-O-T-F-O-R-M dot com. And uh, that's how you register. Pretty easy registration product process. And, uh, man, I look forward to seeing you guys here in South Carolina on June 3rd for the captain's meeting and the 4th for the tournament. Mike, I appreciate you taking time. And... Um, Look forward to seeing you soon. Well, thanks for having us, and uh, I'll come back when I find out exactly what Johnny's going to do for the youth angler, and uh, we'll do another little show if it's all right. You let me know, and I'll put you back on the air, Mike. All right on. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you.
Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. To the final ep- final segment, not final episode, almost final episode, final segment of Woods and Water, South Carolina for November the 16th, 2019. If you didn't hear me talk about it last week, I believe it was last week, you can, the, the website, woodsandwatersc.com, I have updated for, okay, I have to update for practically all of my podcasts. I am Angelo at the station and I are running down the last few and I'm not going to worry about some of them, but uh, I have 260-something on there now. Probably end up being 275, maybe close to 280. And then every week, says, I'm going to have those up there on the website every week as soon as I get up to the station. So if you missed it or you want to go back and see who you've who you've missed in the past, and I promise you the interviews I hope are getting better. I <laughs> know if you go back all the way to 14, yeah, you you should notice a lot of improvement in, my, in the way I conduct the show. But, uh, yeah, they're up there. So I encourage you to, to go there and, 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 like I said, pick up ones you missed or, or you want to hear the one from last week again or just see who I've interviewed in the past and, and have a good time with it. Mention this, I believe it was last week, historically high numbers of Americans approve of hunting. Now, this is important. In the last, I'm trying to think, is it in this one? Yeah, this is it. So this is this is a study released really it came out October 23rd of 2019 from Kip Adams over at QDMA. And it's got some really incredible statistics in here. And it's bodes both good and bad for hunting as a, as our, our heritage or as an institution or however you want to look at hunting. But uh, it starts out the vast Amer- majority of Americans approve of hunting according to responsive management an internationally recognized survey research firm in natural resource and outdoor recreation issues. And also, actually, I'm going to have somebody on uh, talking about some of these research initiatives that I met down at CIFWA, and they did a study on new hunters and new gun owners. It was really interesting, so we're going to do that too. But just trigger my mind. Okay, a recent survey in conjunction with the National Shooting Sports Foundation revealed the current approval rating of hunting by Americans 18 years or older is the highest it's been since responsive management began monitoring approval rates in 1995. During the past 25 years, overall approval of hunting has steadily grown from 73 to 80%. During the same time frame, overall disapproval of hunting, get this, has declined even more rapidly from 22 to only 13%, which is really cool. And it, this study breaks down, uh, breaks down the, the approval ratings by year. So in, in 1995, the overall approval rating of hunting was 73%. In uh, 2015, the overall approval rating was 79%, which was the highest on record. Then they repeated the 79% in 2016, and here in 2019, we're at 80%. In 1995, it was 22% disapproved of hunting. It dropped down, bounced back up in 2011 to 20%. And then it's been 12, 13, 14, and 13% for the last few studies, which is good news. Even though our hunting numbers, actual hunters are dropping, the approval numbers are up, the disapproval numbers are down. And I think that's due to a lot of effort on hunters themselves. You know, portraying hunting as, as good. The field to fork mentality, the organic meat mentality, you can overdo that. But I think you're seeing the impacts of this right here. Not all hunting is the same, though. Hunting for wildlife management, for the meat, 
and to protect humans from harm have the highest approval ratings at 82 to 85 percent. Conversely, hunting for sport is only approved by 50 percent of Americans, and approval for trophy hunting drops to a mere 29 percent. Not all species are viewed equally either. Deer and turkey hunting rank highest at 78% approval, while predators rank much lower with bears at 40 to 44% and mountain lions at only 38%. African lions and elephants receive the lowest ratings at only 7 to 14% approval, and that's simply because they don't know how it works down there. We're, we up here have been enormously success, successful with the North American model of conservation. Hugely unduplicated across the world. Nobody has done a better job of doing what we've done than we have right here. In Africa, it totally works differently. And I'm not really going to take time to go into that because it's a, it's a whole different discussion. Maybe that's something for a future episode. Maybe that's for a future show is, is to get someone, uh, an outfitter or someone in the research side or the conservation side and, and explain why Africa is different. And I think if more people knew why Africa is Africa, and I think that was a line right out of, out of Africa, <laughs> which was a great movie. Uh, I think those numbers would come up because it, it just works differently down there. And uh, like I said, there are more charts and all in here. Uh, percent that strongly approve or moderately approve of hunting each of the following species, wild turkey 78, deer 78, duck 74, uh, doves 44, which surprises me. I think that's because people... You know, dove's a bird of peace. The only thing you don't know is that dove, the dove survival percentages are less than 80% per year or something like that. I, I've got this statistic somewhere. So they don't, their lifespan is not long enough. Uh, yeah, elef, African lion 14, African elephant 7. Uh, where you're from matters too, which is interesting. The Midwest region owns the highest hunting approval starting at 80, rating at 86%. Followed by the southeast at 82%, west of 77, and northeast at 73. Other demographics also matter, as 87% of Caucasians approve of hunting, while only 62% of Hispanics do. 86% of males approve of hunting, while only 62% of females do. And 88% of Americans who grew up with firearms approve of hunting, while only 66% of those who didn't grow up with firearms do. Um... Yeah, and then it goes just chock full of percentages and graphs and all. The full report, responsivemanagement.com. Look for the Americans' Attitude Report PDF. You know, we can we can debate the nuances of hunting approval until the cows come home, but the key message is hunting is currently receiving a historically high approval rating. This is great, and it's aided by current hunters protecting projecting a good public image society, being well-educated on wildlife management and habitat enhancement, becoming increasingly engaged with their state and provincial wildlife agencies and by sharing their bounty with others. And this is one. QDMA members alone shared over 5.8 million venison meals and donated another 7.3 million meals last year. Whether or not you hunt, it's easy to approve of that. Great, great study. And and like I said, you know, our hunting heritage is... is uh, is declining in numbers, I think, in in some numbers I looked up, it's like 5.5% of the population in the United States hunts. That's hunting license sales. 
5.4% of the U.S. population or something. So we're a small number. But when you have the approval of 80% of the non-hunting public, that's good. So hunters keep it up. Um, our, our survival depends on it. And, and, and the survival of the, the wildlife, the natural resources depends on it too. Because, because we fund all this conservation work through Pittman Robertson on the fishing side through Dingle Johnson. We fund all these initiatives that reintroduce the wild turkey, uh, that, that go put up wood duck boxes all through the seventies so you could have wood ducks that uh, reintroduce whitetail deer. And there, and there are other stories, success stories of, of the elk. Hello. You know, a lot of that comes through the Rocky Mountain, uh, Rocky Mountain, um, elk federation, a lot of that push and all, but a lot of that is funded through monies that hunters raise and donate and, and contribute to. So, oh man. Okay. <laughs> I've been warned to stay away from this one, but I just can't. My mom warned me not to do this. But it's out there. It's out there. So I'm going to cover it. Outdoor cats are the leading cause of death among both birds and mammals in the United States, according to a new study. Now, granted, this study was a a study completed in 2013. But the study, killing 1.4 billion to 3.7 billion birds per year. And I only say that because you had the press release that uh, the U.S. and Canada have lost more than one in four birds in the past 50 years. Well, <laughs> hello, look back at this study, and you can understand why if cats are killing that many birds annually. Uh, the mammalian toll is even higher, concluded researchers from the Smithsonian Conser- Conservation Biology Institute and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, ranging from $6.9 billion to $20.7 billion annually. The announcement, which was published in the Journal of Nature Communications, suggests that feral and owned cats pose a far greater threat than previously thought. One study in 2011 estimated that cats in the United States kill roughly half a billion birds annually. Um, they talked about the study that it's never been attempted before, and it goes through a lot of how they did it. Uh, cats pose the greatest danger to birds and animals living on islands because there are fewer opportunities for these animals to escape. Well, that's true. Cats are responsible for helping drive 33 species of birds, mammals, and reptiles to extinction on islands including the Stevens Island Wren in New Zealand. Um, had a hard time measuring the effect of cats on small mammals in the U.S. because they lack precise population counts for these species. Yeah, try to get a population estimate on rats. But uh, eastern cottontails have been established, chipmunks. Um, goodness gracious, alive it goes on. So, you know, while I'm not saying to get rid of your cat, <laughs> it will make you think. And it'll also make you... Look at stuff like this. The press release, new study finds U.S. and Canada have lost more than one in four birds in the past 50 years. It's not my fault or your fault. It could be a cat's fault. All right. I hope you have a great rest of the weekend. As always, make time to get out there. Take the back roads when you can, and don't forget the camera. Back next week with more Woods and Water, South Carolina. Ain't it just like a friend of mine to hit me from behind? I'm